This episode is made possible by one of our sponsors, Drum Clothing. They are a clothing store company based in Woi Woi, New South Wales, Australia. But guess what? They ship Australia-wide. They have a great range of winter clothing with their current uh, winter drop happening at the moment. So be sure to go through Drum. Tell them CJ sent you from the Final Tucker podcast. Also, we have uh, discount codes dropping soon, so be sure to keep an eye out on our Facebook and Instagram for that. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Final Tucker podcast, and we are joined by um, a veteran of Catalan's Dragons. His name is Jason. I'm probably going to butcher his last name, Batiri. Thank you very much for joining us. Look, thanks to, uh, thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a pleasure talking about uh, a bit about my uh, my my journey so far. Well, let's get started with your journey so far. Start of your journey, born in France to quite a, you could say, prolifically famous footy head, uh, Taz. What was it like growing up as his son and growing up in Toulouse before you jetted over to Australia as a kid? Yeah, look, I don't have too many uh, uh, memories of growing up in Toulouse, but um, certainly being surrounded by a lot of uh, footy people. And my father, Taz, is heavily involved in rugby league and still is to this day. And and, you know, worked. Uh, he's probably worked for over you know thirty or forty years for the for the NRL or the ARL combined. So, I've always been surrounded by rugby league, and uh, I guess I was destined to to do the same. Oh, absolutely, definitely seems like it. Um, so I'm just quickly moving the list over to this screen. That way, when I look over there, I'm also looking at the list. Oh, that's coming on to your territory. So, um, no, that's fair enough. Um, when you did jet over to Australia at the age of eight, you joined up with, um, you grew up in Castle Hill and played for the Hills District Bulls. What was your junior days playing like there? I was awesome. I think just like every every kid, uh, uh, you go there and, you know, you got your training two times a week and you're playing on Sunday, Sunday with, with your mates and that's where you, uh, you kind of make your, your childhood friends and, uh, you know, it's the best time of your life when you're, when you're at that age and you're just playing footy with your mates and, you know, I've still got a lot of mates from this day and certainly from this team who kicked on and played a lot of NRL and stuff. So it's, you know, it's always a pleasure to look back on that. Oh, absolutely. Especially with the Hills District Bulls, especially being a, you could say, prolific breeding ground for rugby league players. Um, you then obviously played 07 Australian schoolboys and eventually made your way into the Sydney Roosters first team. Playing one game for the Roosters, what was it like making it in the NRL? Yeah, look, that uh, that 2010 team in the Roosters was, you know, full of superstars. And uh, just to be able to get on the park, I remember Brian Smith calling me in and and told me, you know, if I was ready, I wasn't supposed to play for reserve grade that weekend because uh, I had an injury. And when he said, bring your boots on Saturday to, to Campbelltown Stadium, I, I couldn't say no. I said, yeah, of course. And it was good to be uh, just to be a part of the group and um, and obviously feel that experience that a lot of people, you know, wish that uh, that they get to experience that when they're young. Absolutely. Um, and then obviously, elephant in the room, you jetted back over to France and started a career with Catalans. And you've now played over 250 games. What's it been like for you with the whole journey of playing with Catalans? Look, it's been a, it's been a great adventure. Uh, as much as footy, as much on field as off the field, you know, I uh, like I mentioned earlier, I met my partner over here and I've got my kids. So as soon as Robo <clears throat> Trent Robertson was the assistant coach at the time at the Sydney Roosters uh, under Brian Smith, and uh, with uh, with a few of the guys over there, it was, I think it was like Lepenny Payer, myself, uh, Ian Henderson, Steve Menzies, Damien Blanche, Scott Duro. There was a there was a crew that he uh, he asked to, 
to come over with him to to the Catalan Dragons, as well as Keegan Smith, who was our strength and conditioning coach, who went back to the Roosters. Mm-hmm. So look, it was uh, I was kind of the young kid surrounded by old uh, old footy heads, but you know, getting to play alongside the guys like Steve Menzies was like a dream come true for me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And now you are probably one of those players that people aspire to play against or old heads, as you say, because you've been playing quite close to over a decade now. Uh, actually, over a decade now because it's 2021. What has been the highlight of your time with Catalans? Uh, probably got a few highlights, um, to be honest. Like the first game, obviously, uh, playing at in Hull against Hull KR, debuting oh. against uh, like the guys like against, uh, like I said, Steve Menzies. Um, and then throughout the years, I mean, we, we went through a tough period. We went through the million pound game, which is the relegation in Super League, if we were being relegated or not, which we yep. managed to stay in Super League. Um, playing at Wembley in 2018 and winning, uh, winning the, the Challenge, Challenge Cup. Cup. What was that like? Yeah, look, the, the Challenge Cup was uh, like, it's, it's such a big trophy. I mean, in Australia, we don't uh, we don't understand that there's two competitions or we get, we, ha- we find it hard to think that there's going to be two competitions in one, it's uh, like in the one single Cup year. It's sort of thing, but for rugby league, isn't it? Yeah, so you got these two competitions and it really, it's a, it's a chance for any kind of sports team or uh, amateur sports team to play against professionals and even progress through and get to maybe to Wembley, which is mm. obviously such a, such a renowned and a mythical stadium in, in, uh, in football and self and just in, in, uh, in rugby league as well. But uh, it was... For the, I guess, for the people, for the community, and certainly for the Catalan region, it was a, uh, it was a huge, huge achievement for the club, and obviously for the players. You know, to be the first team to win it was, uh, was something, yeah, really exceptional. That would have been absolutely amazing. Um, and obviously, international footy, you've played quite a few games for France, um, and obviously you've managed and been privileged enough to captain them. What's been your highlight so far playing for the French national team, other than obviously captaining them? Would it be a certain win or your first game ever? Talk to us about that. Yeah, probably my first game. I think we always come back to our first game. I think we played in Avignon, which is in the which is about you know three hours north of Perpignan, uh, and there was about twenty thousand people. And and from you know not being a, a rugby league country, when you see twenty thousand people come to a footy game. I mean, we barely get 20,000 people. We can't get 20,000 people at our home ground at, uh, at Catalan Dragons because it's only capped off at around 15,000 people. So to get oh, 20,000 people against, against Ireland was, was something special and something that I'll, uh, that I'll always remember. Yeah, it was a, it was a good win. I was going to say, did you get the win? And obviously that answers that question. Yeah, absolutely. We got the win and we got to celebrate a fair bit in Avignon and, and have a good time there, yeah. Nice. Are you aiming for a World Cup spot? Um, obviously, we're not sure if the World Cup's going to go ahead yet, but are you personally aiming for a World Cup uh, call-up for the French team? Uh, yeah, look, that's uh, that's something different. I'm at, at the stage of my life where, um, you know, one World Cup would uh, would mean a lot, but, uh, you know, we've got other priorities. I'm thinking a bit, a bit more about, uh, about my family, about my family time, what we're going to do. And, you know, it, it, it would be a final decision for me and my family if I say we'll do one more. One more World Cup and then uh, and then hang up the boots. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I mean, if it was over in Australia or in New Zealand, I'm sure you'd probably give it a miss. But the fact that it's over in the UK slash France makes it a bit more of a tougher decision, would you say? Yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty, you know, with COVID. I know that the uncertainty is not so much from the European side because as we do a fair bit of travel in England every uh, every couple of weeks. 
so we have a lot of uh, all these COVID protocols that are already in place. Yep. And so I know, you know, the majority of the pool, 80% of the players are coming from the Southern Hemisphere. So there's, you know, you guys have got quarantine when you get back, which is uh, something in just in itself. So if guys, you know, taking not just Australian players, but, you know, guys who are playing for Greece or whatever that are coming from Australia, you can't, uh, you know, ask them to do that sacrifice as well. And maybe you have to pay for it. You know, I mean, it's there's a lot of things involved as well as COVID and the healthy health situation. Uh, it's, you know, the financial situation that's behind it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely agreed. Um, now, obviously, the current season is affected by COVID as well, as was last season with both NRL and Super League. How did you and the team in general handle last year's, you could say, total shutdown and lockdown? And how are you guys handling this year? Well, it's, uh, I mean, I guess we're getting used to it. It's not something that I would think it would happen in my lifetime, you know, mm-hmm. tra- traveling up and back in England, every, uh, you know, staying in hotels. And being able to go out in Leeds or Manchester and uh, spend the day there before we play, but obviously last year was a bit complicated. We had three months in France, which was a uh, forced lockdown, which yep. you know we couldn't go out unless it was to get uh, food, and that was it. So there was not even there was no work. So we essentially stopped uh, working, and kind of a bit like in Australia, you know, it was it was dangerous. Uh, you know, our sport was in in a dangerous position and we managed to get out of it. And uh, the protocols that were, that were put in place to get the Super League going were, you know, were effective enough for us to continue. And even though we didn't, you know, get to play as many games as we wanted to, uh, we got, you know, we finished in the semifinals, which You're was good. And this year as, as, as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we got to the semifinal and, you know, it was good, but uh, obviously we didn't get the cherry on top uh, to get to the grand final and, and, and do something there. But this year, you know, we've really clicked on. We've got a great group of players and there might be something at the end of the year where, you know, we get to the big dance and we pull something off. Well, you never know. And speaking of teammates, who's the biggest pest at the team? Well, I'm, I'm sure you can always guess. Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy Maloney's a pretty, uh, pretty He's good character to have around. <laughs> yeah. He's uh he's a good character to have around. Look, he's a, uh, Apart from the experience and that, he talks a lot of rubbish. But uh, he's got some. Uh, he's got a few. He's got a few yarns. But look, yeah, look. There's a few guys there. I mean, there's a. We've got a. Uh, a few English lads. Sam Tom, the Sam Tompkins, Mickey McAlorum. I mean, these guys are uh, you know English internationals. They bring some good banter. So there's a good mix. I mean, it's always hard because there's always a bit of a language barrier, but everyone yeah. kind of understands what's going on. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, and obviously, we just said uh, biggest pest. Who's the funniest teammate? Just pure, just you can't help but look at him and laugh sort of thing. Yeah. Well, he's actually a French kid. He's a French winger called Fouad Yaha. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, uh, mate, he is just a, a <laughs> look, he's a, fun, he's a funny kid. He just loves his food and he's a winger. So you can imagine some, you know, <laughs> you know we've got this, we've got this, you know, image of the wingers has got to be, you know, slim, tall ripped and he just loves digging into his food and i think he's uh he'd rather be eating on a, on a saturday arvo playing than, than, than be playing <laughs> he's a true frenchman then if he loves his food which is great um you yeah. played in the 2014 and 2015 european cup captaining the french team what was it like playing in the european cup for france during that time yeah it was good i mean throughout my uh the you know the 10 years i played for the french team we played in the european cup a few, a few times and we've always missed out in uh, in winning, which either made us go to the four nations or progressing through uh, through some stages uh, and obviously world rankings, but yeah, look, it's always special, I guess, to to, can, can, uh, to captain your country of birth, and it was something that uh, that was you know that was uh, you know just really special for me and I guess my family and especially my mum. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely agree with that. Um, and obviously, you said there was a three-month enforced lockdown uh, last year. What was your Netflix binge during last year? Oh, it was, mate. Well, to be honest, it was there was a bit of Netflix at, uh, at, at late at night, but during the day, I got the kids. So between the kids and their missus, I really tell you what, I didn't have that much time. I tried to sneak out and do a, a few gym sessions just to get out of the house and in the backyard just to, just to get away and, and chill out because it was just... <laughs> it was, it was it, like, like honestly, like a lot of people, uh, you know, we're living in some good conditions, but a lot of people would have to go on through a lot of stuff and just to come out of it alive was, uh, was good. No, that's fair enough. Um, pardon me. You did mention Trent Robinson because you were there during the Roosters in 2010 and then you went over to Catalans with Trent Robinson, obviously with the success he's had of the Roosters since coming, like coming back to the NRL, um, could you possibly have seen that happen for him based off how he was a coach for you? Yeah, look, I think Robbo, um, when he come over to France, or when I had him as an assistant coach, uh, you could tell, um, I, like I was, I was only a young player, but uh, just the, the way he went around, around his business and uh, the way he talked to players and the way he was respected, you could tell that he was going to become uh, a great coach. And, you know, when the opportunity come up, when he, when he, when he knew I had a French passport and and he got the opportunity to go to France and he asked me, I, you know, you couldn't say no. And I think uh, my best uh, couple of years of footy were under him uh, for the first couple of years that he was there. And, you know, obviously I signed on uh, to stay at the Dragons and I was devastated to find out that he left. But look at the success that he's brought to the Roosters. I mean, this guy this guy is just an incredible coach, uh, an incredible character, and he's got this, uh, this aura about him that everyone that, you, sp- you know, that speaks to him or knows him uh, we'll tell you the same thing. Absolutely. Um, during your time at Catalans, who's been the, because uh, you're a loose forward, for anyone who doesn't know that you play the position of loose forward, who's the best player to play alongside or who has been the best player to play alongside that matches your sort of game style? Oh, look, there's been a lot throughout the years, but uh, I'd love play, I love playing against uh, or with, Sorry, um, David Mead, he was a great player to play with. Uh, Ian Henderson was just such a competitor. Uh, like I said, Beaver, Steve Menzies. Look, there's even Glenn Stewart at one, st- uh, one stage. Toddy Carney. Look, everyone has, you know, they got their little own personal touches. So when you get to play alongside these guys that used to watch growing up, you just, uh, you, you get the... bits from them un- sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, you pick up little bits and, you know, it might be technical stuff or it might be stuff off the field or on the field, but these guys really show you uh, something different and, you know, just open your eyes on how to play footy or how to become a better footy player. Absolutely. That's that's absolutely, like, you'd want to hope that that's how it was anyway. Um, now, yeah. teams are the toughest opponents. First of all, which team is the toughest for you to go up against mentally since lockdown? And who is it? who was the toughest to go up against before all the lockdown business last year? It's hard to say, but uh, I've always I've always thought Wigan were that uh, since I come to France, Wigan was the team that they just had, they were just had this ruthless attitude, and they had these players that were led by Sean O'Loughlin, who's obviously a Super League great. Um, and then obviously there was the the the, the Leeds team with uh, Jamie Peacock, Kevin Sinfield, um, that were that were you know in dominant. the mid two thousands were just so dominant. I mean, they these guys won so many titles. I personally uh, am a Leeds fan, so I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, th- those guys had such a great team, and like Rob Burrow, that was part of that. 
uh, Jamie Jones Buchanan. But look, since lo- like before lockdown, like I can't tell you, it's it's been a bit up and down. Like St Helens are always uh, quite mm. quite a ruthless team, and they've had a good kickstart to the season. And, and at the moment, uh, you know we're going well. So you know it's hard to, it's hard to say where uh, they uh, the, we think that there's always going to be that same kind of top four teams. But at the moment, it's a bit of a a bit of a yo-yo, a bit of up and down, yeah. a bit of fluctuation. So, look, I think Warrington, for me, anyway, Warrington at the moment are, are the team to beat and uh, and Leeds as well. They're on a good run at the moment. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, I, I, I think I'd agree. Obviously, I'm not a player in the Super League, but based off the, yeah. the recent form of the last few weeks for teams, absolutely. And unfortunately, I would definitely say that Lee Centurion's not worrying anyone at the moment. And what are your thoughts of Lee joining the Super League and unfortunately going 0-13 so far this season? Yeah, look, I think it's uh, it's a tough ask for Lee. I mean, mm. they uh, it's 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 those teams that are getting relegated, maybe every couple of years, and then coming back into Super League, and just uh, they need to find an edge. They need to find something to become one of those competitive teams. And if that's players or coaching or or because they've got the infrastructures, I mean, they've got great things in place. But you know, it'd be it's tough uh, going into work every day knowing that you know you're thirteen and zero and you're trying to get by for a, for a win. But, uh, you know, I'd love to see another French team in, in Super League, like Absolutely. Toulouse, I think. Yeah, Toulouse, I think yeah. it would be great. I think it'd be great for Rugby League in general. Uh, it would be great for, you'll get more uh, Rugby League, French Rugby League players that'll be, uh, that'll be playing Super League regularly, which will mean, you know, the competition in France as well will, will be able to go to another level. And I think that's important if we want to keep growing and keep, rugby league alive because as much as it's dominant in australia it needs to keep growing uh internationally oh absolutely and i mean especially in the heartland of the the birth of the rugby league world cup because the first rugby league world cup was in france it definitely deserves to grow even further and um, you did have a stint with saint Estev in the elite one championship back in 2014 if i'm correct i may be wrong um yeah. what was it like playing for saint Estev? Yeah, look, Saint Estev is the feeder club, obviously for the Catalan Dragons, and uh, so I, uh, well, Trent, at um, I didn't get picked for the first couple of rounds in my in uh, 2011 for Super League, so I played a couple of games in 2011 and played with uh, obviously the the the, uh, the reserve team who a lot of guys trained with us anyway, yep. which was a which was quite an experience, uh, you know, going to places four or five hours away on bus, uh, playing in front of in front of no one and kind of you know you have to kind lock the change room for, for playing in front of no crowds and yeah <laughs> i'm kidding no, no yeah but uh you know getting uh you know when we're leaving the rock and uh, the change rooms i remember the the gear steward locking the locking the door and i was going why are you locking the door for and he was going because they normally they t- go in and take your stuff at half time or before half time to you know go through the bags and, and i was going what have i signed up for i don't know what, <laughs> what i'm doing here Far out. uh so it was uh, it was a bit of an experience and uh in 2014, yeah, I got to play. I think one game as well. Just, uh, just I think I got dropped. It just wasn't. I wasn't good, playing good enough footy, and it kind of just kickstarted me, you know, to get the fire in the belly again and, and play some good footy. Yeah, now nah, for sure. And now, look at you. You've played over 250 games, and that game in particular, the 250th. What was it like running out onto the field for Catalans for the 250th time? Yeah, it was. You know, it was uh, it, the the boys and the the boys made it such a great experience for me and the club as well. They are. Uh, they really made it such an enjoyable day for me, which was uh, really something great. And to get the win, obviously, we always play to get the win, but to get a win on a milestone, I guess, when you look back on uh, and you're retiring, you're having a beer in 10 years' time, you go, you know, at least I got the win. And no, it was, look, it was such a special day for me and my family. And uh, they made it 
uh, they made it extra special for me, the boys, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And also, congrats on getting the win on a milestone because some players don't. Um, now, last bit of uh, topic I've got is, do you have any words for the fans of the Cowland Dragons for the rest of the season? Glitch. Sorry, you glitched out there for a second, Matt. Sorry, mate. Might still be glitching. Sorry, mate. I got it. It, uh... So, in the last topic is, mate, uh, do you have any, you know, words of inspiration or whatever for the fans of Catalans for the rest of the season? Um, Yeah, just to be able to come to the home games would be awesome because I think we're only allowed up to 5,000 people at the moment. So, you know, I know they're uh, they're a very passionate uh, community. So, for them to be able to come out and uh, to be, you know, at least five thousand strong at the stadium will be will be such a help for us to and boost us for the boys because we've been playing without any crowds for over a year and you know really uh, magnifies the intensity of the games when there's uh, when they're out there. So I just hope they can get out there and, and support their team and we'll give them everything uh, that we 